Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Welcome to the Crosstalk Podcast. We are indeed glad you could join us again today. Uh, We're continuing our series on the person of Christ, who he is, his position as Christ, as the Son of God. And last week we talked about Christ as the righteous Son. This week we want to talk about Christ as the reigning Son. And again, it may seem as you listen to each episode in this series that we're being a bit redundant. I know we said that last week. But this point is continuing the crescendo to what we're talking about. It's growing the picture. It's building, to borrow this phrase, the case for Christ and who he is. The theological, Christological snowball. So, yeah, Yeah. I think snowball is a good way to put it because we're just building steam, going down the hill, building this picture of who he is. And, um, And I'll back up just a little bit. Our first episode, if you didn't hear, is we talk about Christ as the revealing son. Uh, Then we talked about Christ as the righteous son, which was last week, and then this week we're going to cover Christ as the reigning son, and we're getting our material from Hebrews 1, so if you happen to be in a position and want to follow along, that's why we give the passage, or you want to go back and read it later, you can do that, but we will be getting everything from Hebrews 1. So, Christ as the reigning son, why are we talking about this particular minutia, if you will, today? Well, because... The, the writer of Hebrews is building a case for the superiority of Christ. He's talking to Hebrew Christians, even some among these Hebrew, the, the Christian community who are Hebrews but who are attached to, still some have some attached, some, uh, uh, as this John Phillips says, it's like the, the he likens it to a, a Hebrew uh, priest who got converted, and when he looks at the temple and all of that, he still kind of looks at it wistfully. It meant so much to him. And yet, it's Christ who fulfills it. It's easy to get the shadow and the substance confused. They looked to the shadow for so long, and mm. then Christ comes, and he's the substance. When it's, there's a temptation to look at Christ as the shadow and not the substance. Well, and it's comfortable. That's what you've always known. Right. So, so. The writer here in this first segment, it would have been, wouldn't have been a chapter in the original, but he's building the case for the deity of Christ because if Christ is God, then all of these other things make sense. Right. And, and as we get to the end of this first chapter in our English Bible, we're building this, uh, this snowball that's gotten bigger and bigger until it like explodes with Christological significance as we look at what we're looking at today. So in, in regards to Christ as the reigning son – we're going to talk about, or we're going to look at, uh, three contrasts, if we will. One, creation versus creator, temporal versus eternal, and ruled versus ruling. So the first contrast, creation versus creator. Why are we contrasting these two things? Why are we putting these two together in, in, in regards, in relation to the reigning sun? Well, if you, if you put it in the context we just talked about, the, the Hebrew mind would have viewed Jehovah God as creator. The Hebrew, um, the Judaistic system would have looked back on the scriptural idea of God, of Jehovah God as creator. And so if, if Christ, if the Messiah, 
if Christ is Messiah, and if he is God uh, in the flesh, then uh, he would have to be the creator. He would have to he would have to be recognized as creator. And so there's a contrast here between creation and creator, as we see when it says in the beginning, "You Lord." And it's interesting. That's a quote from the Old Testament. The King James or New King James quote that as ca- all caps, Lord. Well, in the King James Version and some of our other versions like the NASB and some others, if it's all caps, Lord, we know that's, um, that means that it's a translation of the word Yahweh or Jehovah. What we would say is Jehovah. That's the, the name that God gave to Moses on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai. The, the great uh, tetragrammaton of, uh, that uh, teaches of, uh, of God's eternality and, and self-existence and other aspects of God. So, so this is, All things came from him, basically. Yeah, this is yeah. the proper name for God. But he was referring to the Son. So you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. Well, I mean, that's quite a statement of that, that this Son who reveals God is himself creator. You you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. So he, this all that we do attribute to Jehovah is attributed to the Son. Hmm. Interesting. I was reading. Uh, um, I was reading. It starts to say Charles Barkley. He's no theologian. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Barkley, who does the bar, the, um, the word studies and so forth, and I have his book on Jesus as they saw him, and his chapter number three on God seeks to debunk the myth of the deity of Christ. I, I typically wouldn't have that book, but that that book is significant, and I even wrote a disclaimer in the front for anybody who gets it later and sees my name in right. it. Right. <laughs> but anyway, he goes to great lengths trying to explain why uh, that. Jesus isn't God and how the New Testament doesn't teach that. But but if we look at this chapter and we look at this, he's talking about the Son. Well, to whom and, did he ever say? And I would say this. If if Jesus is not God, we have a lot of problems. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. just for this alone, he, being creator. Yeah. Now we, we've got some missing links here. Right. And how do we put these pieces together? But your original question was, why does that matter? Uh, why does it matter that he created and this contrast between creation and creator? And because it magnifies this theological fact, this great theological truth, this great Christological truth. Because we said this may be the most significant Christological chapter in the Bible. I've said that. I mean, right? No, well, we were. T- it was in relation. If you were listening to other episodes, it was in relation to why would we do Hebrews versus. Colossians, Colossians or something else. also speaks of the or John supremacy or of Christ or the yeah. uh, preeminence so of Christ. So what we have here is a statement of his godness, his deity, because he created. He, he stands in contrast to the creation. He wasn't born in the sense that other of us are born. He was born, but he preexisted, and he's creator. I think this takes on a very practical application for all of us who will both us that speak and those who are listening. And the reason I say that is because I think we struggle with the created order because we struggle with accepting a creator in general. Yes. So if we can debunk or destroy the fact that Jesus is God and therefore creator, then we can do what we want. Right. For instance, I think society, what we're seeing now in destruction of the idea of male and female or the destruction of the relationship 
of marriage, and all of these things that we know that God himself has ordained and created, if we can destroy that aspect of God being creator, then we can do whatever we want. The problem is, is the confusion level starts coming in, which we're seeing now in sports and in all of these things, and it's really destructive. Right. So we're building a case here for Christ's complete lordship. And I, I was just thinking, as you were saying that, of Bromley's uh, hymn that I like, I mean, not hymn, but poem that I like to quote at Christmas time. I usually quote it on air or put it on a blog or something. And uh, at the end of that poem, Bromley says, The maker of all things is made of the earth. Man is worshipped by angels and God comes to birth. So in Colossians, uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For, well, why is he the firstborn? Why is he preeminent over all creation? For by him all things were made. By him, for him all things were made. Whether visible, invisible, heaven, heavenly or earthly, principalities, powers, dominions, all things were created by him and for him. This is the case for the superiority of Christ. Now, I- I'm going to ask this because I think we've already answered this question, but I think it helps clarify as we begin to transition to another aspect of what we're talking about. But if you don't get this, will you struggle with getting any aspect of Christ? Well, if you don't know this Christ, you don't know Christ. Hmm. It's interesting. I read a quote in a little book, and the guy quoted another fellow, and he said, if you know this fellow, you know he he didn't mean to be heretical. But he said, if if God is not like Christ, he's not as good as he could be. Hmm. On the front end, that sounds uh, well, but that's true. But if if the God we know is not like Christ, and Christ is not God, we don't know the right God. We don't know Christ. Christ is God. Christ mm-hmm. is creator. Those who talk about Christ but do not talk about him in these terms or reject these terms do not know the biblical Christ. Hmm. Amen. I, I, I think that's so true, and that's why I asked that question, because that's I think it's it helps important. Yeah, yeah. to clarify what we're saying. Um, so we talk about creation versus creator under this um, point of Christ as the reigning son, but then there's temporal versus eternal. Um, how does that play into this or maybe I should say, how is this playing to everything we've talked about? Well, this is the great uh, contrast, isn't it, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, but especially as we get into the new and the theology, the New Testament theology is developed, is the now and not yet, the temporal and the eternal, the earthly, the heavenly, the age, this age and the age to come. And here we see it brought to culmination in the person of Christ. They, that is the heavens and the, and the earth, or the, they will perish, but you remain. So now we're getting into the eternality of God. Again, emphasized it more, more greatly. The he, and, and they will grow old like a garment. What do we see in one of the laws of thermodynamics? I never can remember which one it is. Uh, some of you smarter people out there can help me out later. But one of the laws of thermodynamics states that things never in, in the order that we see. We never see, see things go from, from uh, disorder to order. We see things always go from order to disorder. If you have a house and it has wood siding, it deteriorates. You have to paint it. Yeah. If, even if you have other kinds of siding or it other discolors, things, you they have deteriorate. To clean it off, they yeah. fade. They, and so he, he says that they grow old like a garment and like a coat or a cloak, you will fold them up and they will be changed. This is the reality of the created order, this contrast between the created order and the temporal. 
Everything we see is temporal. Everything you have, how, I don't care how much you like it, how much you spent for it, how much you take care of it and value it and set it on the shelf, will grow old and change and deteriorate. Just happens. But the contrast is to these temporal things. But you are the same. And your years will not fail. So Christ himself yeah, well, it's, you say, okay, this is a great theological point, but it's, it's not just that. What does John say when he says, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world? If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all, for all that is in the world, lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Well, and the world's of, passing away. It's not it's, of the yeah. world, but in the world is passing away, and the lust, the desires of it. But he who does the will of God abides nice forever. forever. We want to be, we want to grasp hold of, we want our lives to be formed by this forever motif. I, I think this is a great application point under this idea of ruled, ver, or I'm sorry, temporal versus eternal. We want what's easy in, instead of what is good, which is only achieved in pursuing hard things. You and I talked about this before we came on. We were having some discussion in regards to just living your life and realizing that you have to make hard choices in order to achieve great things. Mm -hmm. That's a very basic way of putting that. In some ways, kind of a worldly way of putting it. But if you want to pursue that which is eternal, it's not easy. Christ is never – my burden's light. It doesn't come from easy choices. He says my burden is light. Yeah. My yoke is easy. But there will be suffering. There will be hardship. It is a burden. It's light, but it's a burden. I think a prime example of this, of, of attaining glory, is the Olympics that just passed. It, uh, uh, they interviewed one of the gals who was gymnastic. I remember her name. And they said, what are you going to do? She goes, I'm going to go eat a pizza. <laughs> she hasn't eaten a pizza in five years. Probably yeah. since the last time she competed in something or whatever. Yeah. Basically, they don't go to restaurants. They don't do what we do. Because in order to achieve that... They are pursuing something that's bigger than themselves. Right. So I think we look here at this idea of temple versus eternal. We are pursuing Christ, the reigning son, who is obviously bigger than we are and is eternal. And it's not easy. And it's interesting because we've quoted this particular person that we didn't know but we were knew of who was an incredible violinist. And they asked her how she was so good. And she said it comes with planned neglect. Hmm. It's interesting. We, we're going to neglect something. Right. The we'll leave something is, aside. What are we going to plan to neglect? And Paul brings uh, – I say Paul. Hey, I'm Paul going back to my old days here. But the writer <laughs> of Hebrews says, therefore we're we must We're not sure give, on that one, by the way. Therefore, after he says all of this, he goes chapter 2, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away or let them slip. How shall we escape if we neglect mm -hmm. so great a salvation? Well, what's this salvation? It's this, this person we're talking about here, this eternal one. He remains. You do not change. You are immutable. You do not fail. Nothing about you ever grows weaker or less noticeable or uh, uh, less strong than it was. It, all, it never fails. It's constancy, complete, eternal constancy, reliability. You do not change. They perish. You do not. This should grab our attention about our own lives and what we neglect and what we don't. Absolutely. 
So we've talked about creation versus creator. We've talked about temporal versus eternal. The last thing we want to look at under this idea of the reigning son, son being Christ, ruled versus ruling. How does that play into this? Well, it it almost should be obvious, shouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, but, well, especially after talking about he's the creator, he's also eternal. Yeah. So what what else is there left yeah. to talk about? Yeah, he's already said earlier um, that um, you are my son today, I've begotten you. We know that refers to the resurrection. And we know that the resurrection, according to Acts 2, refers to the enthronement of Christ upon the David's throne. That's... That's his fulfillment. That's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy that Christ Christ would sit on his son's David's throne. We we know that, and now he closes out this section by saying, "To which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand, till you till, you, till I make your enemies your footstool'?" Um, you know the culture around us is placing a lot of emphasis on personal autonomy. I can do what I want. Ironically, while that's happening, more and more personal autonomy is being yeah, taken from It's very ironic, yeah. Yeah. But we want to be – we want to have the ability to be our own person, but yet we're so free and willing to give away that ability out the back door. Yeah. Now, to someone – who is not eternal, right? And who is not ruling, in the literal sense. But, and so we we have this um, um, constraint upon our conscience. The angels now, the writer is addressing how people would have exalted angels, given them a place, a high place in the order of things. He said, but to which of the angels did he say? Did he ever say, sit at my right hand? Here's the authority and positional aspect of Christ returning, because he's already addressed this in our in our other sections here. And and sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. There will always be the ruled and the ruler. The ruled and the mm-hmm. ruling. And the ruler, the ruling one will always be Christ. I think, and I like to bring in these practical aspects, but I think we as men and women, human beings who are made in the image of God, we struggle with that. Why why is it that we talk about that personal autonomy, even though we're willing to give it over? You know, we made that comment. Right. We struggle with being ruled. And there's nothing wrong with being ruled. No. Necessarily. Right. I think the authority of Christ really gets us, scares us. We seek so hard to debunk it within our educational realms and our you know, philosophical realms, even now in the practical realm of the world. Because if Christ is ruling, we have to follow. We bow the knee. I mean, you watch yeah. these period pieces. My wife and I just got through watching a, a period piece show. They gave allegiance to the king no matter what he did. Now, I'm not saying that's right. Right. We're I'm simply giving this as an example. Yeah. In fact, the example of this king, it was a French king, was awful in the show. Right. 
But they, no matter what, he they must the save the crown. He was the king. It, and all forces outside. it wasn't outside. just him. It was the crown itself. Yes, yeah. it was the crown itself. It was the concept of the crown, mm-hmm. not just him. He yeah. represented that. The crown, the concept. So you think about that. The allegiance. If, if you believe in being ruled, you must follow. Right. The and question Christ is. has the right to rule because of who he is and what we've been talking about. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's a good God, he a is, good son exactly. of the God. And he is the second person of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. The Godhead, here is, we're talking about the second person of Godhead here. The Father, first person, is eternal. The Son is eternal. The Spirit is eternal. And so now, put in this context what Peter said. When he was talking about the end of created orders, we know it, and a new creation. And he says, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holiness and godliness? This is the motivation behind The, the motivation for our goodness is not so people will think we are good. It's not so we can attain to some uh, acceptance from God. The motivation behind our desire for holiness and righteousness and goodness in our living is Christ himself as God over mm-hmm. us. He rules. All this stuff, it's, it's going. It's going before our eyes, but one day it'll just poof, it'll go whew, up in flame. All of it will be destroyed. And you know what we'll say then? We will say, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> right. Probably been a couple years ago now. It all runs together because 2020 was such a weird year. Um, but it's probably been a couple years ago. I was woken up or I was awakened I don't know the best way to say that. I was awakened by fire trucks coming screaming down my road. And my road where I live in my neighborhood is the main road to get in the neighborhood. And come, That doesn't happen every day. And I quickly jumped up, put on some clothes, and ran outside because I didn't know what was happening. And I knew it was close. And I could see smoke coming, billowing up over one of the houses, I'm like, oh my goodness, one of my neighbor's houses. You know, everything starts going through your head. Yeah. You know, you start rolling. So I go around the corner to see this house. I mean, it's literally in flames. Never seen that live before. I don't know what it is about that experience, but it really makes you feel really small. It, and it's helpless. an unsettling experience. It is. I've seen. For it. the rest of the day, you just felt unsettled. Well, and in that moment, you realize how small you really are. And how quickly what you have can disappear. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but what we have here is a Lord Jesus who is God, who is the creator, who is eternal and immutable, unchangeable. That's what Mm. that big word immutability means, that he does not change. He stays the same. He remains forever the son of God. Forever. Hmm. This is our Lord Jesus. This is what we have in Christ. This is why this passage is so Christologically significant, because it says to us, this is the God you serve. This is the Christ you follow. This is the God you know. Well, and this is a good note to end on, because next week we're going to close out this series on Christ's possessive claim. What he claims upon. And we've already touched a little bit upon this, so we're going to be redundant again. But again, we're building that snowball. We're going down the hill. Right. So as you think about this, begin to think about what next week we're going to talk about in regards to Christ's claim. So we thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. 
Thanks everyone so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Music